Welcome to this episode of Consider It Blacklit. I am Kim, your host. And for those of you tuning in for the first time, Consider It Blacklit highlights films, television programs, and stage plays that feature African-Americans up front and behind the scenes. We also discuss social issues as it relates to some of these programs and how they may or may not impact our communities. So thank you for tuning in and we hope you continue to tune in each week. Today, it is my pleasure to highlight a veteran actor, director, poet, writer, Count Stovall. Welcome, Count. It's lovely to be here. <laughs> yes, yes. I am truly excited to have you here. I have been a fan for years. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so you are an award-winning actor, writer, director, poet. Tell our audience what came first. What came first? Uh, believe it was the chicken. No, no, I, I believe it was... <laughs> It was the first thing I ever did. I recall reciting poetry at about the age of six, learning um, Rudyard Kipling's poem, If. My mother said, go in the room and do something. And so I, she said, here, here's a poem. And she got me a book called Heartthrobs with a lot of anonymous people. And uh, I learned, um, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, yet make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not get tired of waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies or being, or, or being hated. Don't give way to hating and yet not look too good nor talk too wise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's amazing. And you remember everything so well. Like you first learned that when you were six years old. I'm impressed. That's called, called the neurological association. My love for my mother and, uh, and also poetry has been uh, part of me um, ever since I was a small boy. So tell our audience a little bit about your journey and how you became the performer that you are now. Oh, I never started out to be a performer per se. I, uh, I just, um, you know, we, I'm old. So at, at 75, we grew, I grew up in the 40s and the 50s, the year after, um, um, uh, Jackie Robinson was allowed to come into, you know, organized baseball, and uh, or the year after I was born, that was 1947. I was born in 46. I grew up on the cutting edge of the radio generation, just prior to to um, the advent of of television being commonplace in in my neighborhood. A few years prior, I'm sure some people had television, but we didn't have a television set, and so I listened to radio, and 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 radio seemed to have sparked your imagination, you know the. The, 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 the creaking door, the shadow, uh, what evil lurks in the hearts of men, the, the shadow knows. <laughs> so you, you learn to, to, to listen and take things in. So to jump ahead, um, I, um, I was in the military for, for three years um, after uh, high school. I went for a year of college, then I went into the army. And after three years in the military, I uh, went back to college and uh, I kind of thought, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? I said, well, maybe I want to write for television or because a lot of people you know, of color are watching television. And uh, what they told, what I learned was uh, somebody said, oh, well, you've got to, you got to uh, do a, a theater. You've got an introduction to theater. You've got to learn everything. You, you can't just write for television. So I did. I took an introduction to theater class at Merritt College and 
And uh, that was sort of the beginning. I remember I went and saw this play and a person that's like a brother and a dear friend to me to this day was in it, uh, an actor by the name of Ted Lange. And uh, most oh, okay. of there are no Ted Lange from Love Boat, <laughs> you know? And <laughs> that was the first play I saw. So when I came back on Monday, they said, did everybody see a play? And I said, oh yes, I saw a play. I raised my program up. Said, oh no, Mr. Stovall, come up. Come up, you must tell us about it. You must tell us about it. I said, oh boy. And so I, I knew I was being put on the spot. So I, I came up and I told him about it. And by the time <laughs> I reached the end of acting out the entire play that, that in act one, uh, the class was over. And I said, well, do you want to hear about act two? Oh no, Mr. Stovall, thank you very much. That was very nice, very <laughs> nice. So a young lady after class, her name was Ann White and she was white. Uh, she said, oh, that was great. Why don't you come to an audition we're having at Live Oak Park in Berkeley? I said, Live Oak Park, you know, what, what do you, what audition, what's an audition? I said, well, they're auditioning for the San Francisco Shakespeare Company. I said, Shakespeare, I hadn't read, but a couple of Shakespearean plays in high school. And I said, well, well I don't know, what's it about? And he said, well, it's, they're doing um, um, uh, uh, Romeo and Juliet. I said, Romeo and Juliet? Well, if I get by that way, I'll, I'll, I'll come. And uh, I did happen to get by that way. And I went in and I did, you know, two households, both alike in dignity and fair Verona, where we lay our scene from ancient grudge, break to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean from both the fatal loins of these two. Anyway, that was the, the first part I got. I got to do the prologue. They gave me the part of Benvolio and they, and they incorporated Balthazar in it. And um, that was the first play that I ever did and got paid for it. And we, uh, opened up the Shakespearean Gardens in San Francisco, and, and I was taking classes at Merritt College. I graduated from Merritt College and went on to UC Berkeley, and I was still studying theater, 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 so the bug had bit me. And um, eventually, I, as, as I, I went on to the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco, and I graduated from there, and they offered me a contract, but I was still hearing about auditions around in San Francisco, and one of the plays that was being auditioned for, some friends of mine were in it, it was called No Place to Be Somebody by Charles Gordon. And this won the Pulitzer Prize in 1970. In 1971, that audition came along and I was in the American Conservatory Theater under Bill Ball and Michael Sullivan and a lot of other so-called luminaries in theater history. And I got the job of the lead and the co-lead in the play uh, with Ben Doreen. That was when I joined the unions. I went on, on to, to join this company and eventually we went on a national tour and it, it went back to Broadway and I covered Gabe Gabriel in it. And the guy playing playing the role was uh, Philip Michael Thomas, who was on Miami Vice. And I moved from the West Coast to the East Coast in about that year, went on tour with No Place. And off and on, I did No Place to be somebody for about about 10 years. You've done, you've done a lot. You've even done some TV. Why don't you, you know, tell us a little bit about those experiences. In New York, I end up auditioning for a soap opera called The Doctors. And I got uh, a contract uh, for, for The Doctors in about um, early or mid seventies. And I ended up on there for almost three, about three years playing, um, what was I playing? Hank Chambers. Uh, the physical therapist who was in a in a wheelchair, and then I got another uh, te television show in '85 called "As the World Turns," 
where I played Detective Roy Franklin of the Oakdale Police. And I was on that for about five years or so. And then, then when that was over, uh, I uh, think that was about late 80s that that ended. I came out, came back to California, tried to get some work on television. I, I, I got a job covering, um, uh, what is that actor's name? Denzel Washington. Uh, he was doing a play I'd done in New York. And so my buddy was the director and he said, why don't you come out and cover him? And I said, great, I'll be swimming, playing tennis. And while he's going down there and working for, for his money. Wow, Denzel. And I, I went on and did the role for two, two days. And uh, fortunately, the producer of a television show called Give Me a Break was in the audience. And he liked me and he said, my goodness, why don't you come and do Give Me a Break? And you can play Nell Carter's ex-husband, the trumpet player. And so this was in 85. I, I, I went on and did a couple of episodes of Give Me a Break. I got another job auditioned for something called um, All My Children. So of all the roles that you play, which one was the most rewarding to you? Oh, that's like asking me which of my five children and which of my six grandchildren are the most rewarding to me. Well, let me tell you about this full circle moment. During the pandemic, I was decluttering and I found this poster from Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and you were in it, your name was on it. And actually, um, I got signatures from the actors and I got a signature from you because there was a talk back after the play for the performance that I went to see. However, on the poster, there's the dark area and a light area and most of the people sign in the dark area so you can't really see their signatures. When I found out that I was gonna meet you, I thought this was the perfect opportunity to get you to sign my poster. Whatever you say, Kim, I'm at, your <laughs> I'm at your service. Yes, yes. So tell us what that experience was like, the all-Black cast on Broadway. It was, one, it was wonderful. It was extraordinary. Uh, Stephen um, Bird and uh, um, Aaliyah Jones-Harvey were the uh, producers. And they've, at this point, I think, produced some 14 shows on Broadway. In terms of theater history, these are the only male and female black theater company that um, um, a producing production team that has produced that many shows on Broadway successfully, you know, ma major shows. And uh, Cat on, on the, the Hot Tin Roof uh, uh, with um, people like um, uh, James Earl Jones, Felicia Rashad, Terrence Howard, Anika Noni Rose, uh, Giancarlo Giannini, uh, and, and a lo lovely uh, cast of people and, and myself playing, um, I played uh, Dr. Bach, who was the one who was giving uh, old, old uh, Big Daddy the uh, morphine. And then I covered James Earl and I went on for about three weeks for him because he, James Earl became sick at some, at some point. And so I ended up doing Big Daddy for about three weeks and I also did Dr. Bach, Bach <laughs> for, for, for the run of the show. Uh, I, I've known these people. I've known uh, Felicia for years and years when she was she was so small and so little she couldn't have played big nobody, much less a big big mama. But she was brilliant, just brilliant. And then James Earl, of course, is, is a brilliant actor. And, and it was the first time that I believe um, Terrence Howard had, had been on Broadway. And it was it was a new experience to him because he was this television method actor who, you know, just 
if he had to break up the the the, uh, the crutches, he just you know, and he, and he had to drink. He gargled some, you know, and smoked whatever he did. He did it organically, and he did it, did it to the nines. So he was he was very good, and so was Anika. And, uh, Debbie Allen d- directed um, the uh, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, the, the infamous De- Debbie Allen, and so directing her sister and, and, and all of us. And we all, as I said, we all knew each other for, for forever. You know, they, they, they were just kids to me. I was an old veteran and they, they were young, young people, about two or three years younger than me. <laughs> anyway, so the next thing we ended up doing uh, with, the, with the similar team, well, let's see, it was, um, we did, Emily Mann directed us in uh, uh, A Streetcar Named Desire. And that was with Blair Underwood. And uh, he, he was he was wonderful in that. Yeah, I saw that one too. That was amazing. You did, yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. I made another doctor in that at the very end <laughs> that comes in and, he's, and she when she says the infamous line, I've always depended on the kindness of strangers. <laughs> and I let I led her crazy <clears throat> off the stage. So that was that that was that. And another piece piece I did with James Earl, he was doing uh, Driving Miss Daisy with Vanessa Redgrave. And I came in and I covered him on that. And I was just praying that James didn't become ill because, I mean, although you love, you love to go on, you love to perform, and you love to do a great role. And it, it was indeed a wonderful play. Uh, I just didn't want him to get sick because I sat in the wings when, when he got sick that time. And I was just in, I was just, you know, in terror that he was, that it was going to be you know, something so serious. He, he, he fortunately just had a little bronchitis and, and it, it took him in the hospital. He, he came out. <laughs> We had to smoke cigars, and he's puffing on this cigar, <laughs> and it affected his bronchi, his bronchial, and his lungs. <laughs> so oh, wow. the crazy, crazy method actor that he is, he got uh, he he got uh, uh, bronchitis and had to go to the hospital. But oh, not just praying that nothing happened to him while we were doing driving Miss Daisy, and nothing did. And so I I never I never went on for him, and. Um, it was a wonderful show because I ended up doing it right um, at um, what what's the name of the theater in Hoboken, um, Mile High Theater. I ended mm-hmm. up doing um, Driving Miss Daisy there and with a wonderful cast. The last play I did, the full play I did before this pandemic came into being, was a, a musical version of uh, Christmas Carol at mm. um, the Crossroads Theater. The, the uh, New Brunswick uh, Performing Arts Center, and a wonderful piece. And I played uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, and I mm. sang, and, I, and these children sang and danced, and it, it was just a wonderful uh, production. And it ended uh, after Christmas of uh, 2019, and then we went right into um, When It Hits Home, a beautiful play by Cheryl West and directed by Dr. Uh, Indira Etwaru, who was the artistic director of the Billy Holiday Theater. And we were just about to go into tech on March 12th, the day before yesterday, a year ago. And I've been stuck in the basement ever since and <laughs> doing a few Zoom things. And I've got a movie to do in, um, in April um, that's gonna be directed by Estelle Parsons, the Oscar winner. Uh, two-character film, and we did it as a play, the, the, the same script called A Man of His Time, uh, about five years ago. 
you definitely have longevity and have been working consistently throughout your career. What advice would you give young artists today? All you actors out, out there that, that are they're trying, training, 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 craft, craft, craft. You can't just put on a bombardier jacket and goggles and a, and a white scarf around your neck and call yourself a pilot. You have to train. The craft, that, that it, it takes about three years to make a, a trained actor and to train in their craft. You can, you can do the, the Meisner technique, or you can, you can go into um, what they call the method. Uh, Lee Strasberg, I, I've studied in, in, in both, and you must study. And once you've, you've started to study, then you can bring the words to life, because acting is not pretending. Acting is truthful doing. And so I'm leaving you the, the, this word. I'm in the actor's studio. I, I, I've taught many, many, many places, many classes. You must go for it from that perspective. So everybody always wants to know, well, how can I act, you know? And if a dog can do it and a baby can do it, what can there be to it? Well, there's a lot more to it than you think. It it's the same as um, if somebody tells you somebody you love passed away, you don't act like you feel emotion, you feel emotion because you've had a neurological relationship with this person, whether they're your favorite aunt, your grandmother, your, your mother, whoever it is. And that's the same as what the crafting will get you to do. All right. So you all who want to be the actors and the directors and the, and the set designers go to school, study, 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 and become, you know, a studied person. Just like if you wanted to be a pilot, you'd want to be trained. You wouldn't want to get up there with, and just have a parachute in your hand and your mouth open. <laughs> ah! So what responsibility do you think young artists today have in terms of, you know, um, I guess being activists today? I mean, you actually kind of lived through the black arts movement where it was surrounding you. If you look at that movie, um, Judas and the Black Messiah uh, with, with, with Daniel Elue, uh, Kalue, um, on about Fred Hampton, uh, you'll see a lot of the authenticity of what I was going through in, in, the, in the late 60s of, of, of the times in, in the Bay Area in Oakland, you know. And so the student movement and all of that, you know, and you just, you, 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 were, you were just full of life and energy and, and you were doing as much as you can uh, to participate and, and, and to, to communicate with, with um, uh, your brothers and sisters and try to bring about a, a, a revolution. Basically, we were exceedingly naive as to what we thought we could do against the military industrial complex of the United States of America and, 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 and the system of capitalism and, 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 and the history of racism in, in America that went back hundreds of years and from you know, all these phases of lynching. And so we just did not understand that they really were savages in some ways who just would take you out. I don't care if you, whatever your name was, you know, and whoever you were and whatever you thought you were doing, you know, and as, as we see with, with Martin, as we see with Malcolm, as we see with, with Huey, as we see with, with, with Fred Hampton, especially Fred Hampton. We as a people have progressed tremendously. And now we have a lot of literature on subjects that are very, very important. Michelle's um, book on the new J Jim Crow, uh, um, uh, Isabel Wilkerson's cast, uh, and, and all of this literature, all of this writing that's being done, 
We have a responsibility to read and pass it on to our children and our children's children. And we have a responsibility to keep the history as present and in the forefront of our minds and our children's minds as we do, uh, I don't know, music that we used to love, you know, from from Motown to, to, to whoever, to jazz. We have um, a responsibility to keep that, that truth, the truth of what's going on present. You must not only just walk the walk, you must read the books and you must pass that information on. It, it's very important that we keep communicating with one another, keep collaborating with one another, keep understanding that by their fruit, you will know them because there are people that have, have um, brown skin, but they're not colored and they're not, they're not Negro and they're not black and they're not African-American, but they got brown skin. So, I mean, you, when you watch the, 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 the traders uh, or the trader in um, um, the, the, the film uh, on Fred Hampton, you know, directed by uh, Shaka King, very well directed and very well acted, you know, you start to un understand that we have a responsibility to watch out for one another. You can't just, just, just make a lot of verbal sound. You have to be an active, you have to build something. So we're um, running out of time, but I did want you to share with our audience any upcoming projects that you have going on. To all of you lovely people out there in the darkness, go to your wool, was it, uh, go, <laughs> is it, is it, Walmart, yeah, go to Walmart. And I think I think my, my director just told me Best Buy and 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 something else, a film that we produced um, in nineteen in twenty nineteen. Uh, it's a documentary film called Well, it was myself and um, Arthur French, a wonderful actor who's about ninety mm -hmm. years old now here in in New York. Uh, we were talking about what we have to do to pass things along and how. A lot of our history as theater practitioners, I am a theater maven, the first, last, and always, are, it's being lost. And so we're losing all this great history from, from uh, Francis Foster to, to, to Adolf Caesar to who, who are these people? They don't know. Our people don't know. Our children don't know. And we need to do something about that. So I said, yeah, it would be nice if you. So what did I do with my big mouth? I talked to a brilliant director, Junie Smith. He's done about 35, 40 films. And we worked with um, people like Glenn Terman, and it, 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 they're just is really quite wonderful. And we came up with a documentary, and the documentary's title is King Arthur and the Count. I always called Arthur French King Arthur. Hey, King Arthur. Hey, Count. How you doing? So oh, wow, that's with, fascinating. With, I know he liked the title, and he said, that's great. What, what is it about? I said, it's about 60 years of Blacks on Broadway. And, and, and we used eight people as representatives in the documentary. We used uh, two, the, the two producers we, I mentioned, Aaliyah Jones Harvey and, and Stephen Bird, who, who produced you know, these plays that we talked about on Broadway. Um, uh, the, the founder of, uh, one of the founders of um, Crossroads Theater, uh, and uh, when it won the Tony Award and is now back being the, the, the artistic director, Ricardo Kahn. Um, the, 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 the playwright, the brilliant playwright and film, film writer, um, Richard Wesley. Uh, and and he, he's you know, done, done so much in terms of theater. You talk about somebody, he's a, as a, a unreconstructed Howard elitist, he called himself. Oh, Howard, that's my school. <laughs> he, 
he's in it, as well as um, Marie Thomas, a Spellman graduate, you know, yay Spellman. And she's you know, been on Broadway and then uh, soap operas and television and then you know, plays forever. These are, are the people, I think I named all eight, eight of us. And oh, 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 no, 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 no. One person left out, a great, great, great person, great writer, uh, Dominic Marceau, you know, mm-hmm. who, who wrote, wrote um, the beautiful play on The Temptations. And she's written many different things, including writing on television for the, the, the series Shameless. And, and she's a wonderful write, writer. And she wrote the, that wonderful Detroit series. And, and she's written many, many plays. Yeah. So we couldn't afford to get all, you know, as many as I know uh, are, are up there that, that are fantastic Tony Award winners. So we're going to try to make it a three-part documentary. But this first part, King Arthur and the Count, you can get through through um, Walmart's for about $19.99. Uh, we were supposed to premiere in New York in this month, last year, at the end of this month. And of course, the pandemic came and, and that was stopped. And then we hoped that it would go away in the year and we would have it, you know, we would open it and then tour it and screen it all over, all over the country uh, last year, but it didn't happen. And so now it's we've gotten happen. around to, we've got to release it. We just got to release it. You can't keep a film bottled up, you know, and say, well, yeah, we made that film back in uh, 1912. Uh, we never released it, but <laughs> it can't, it can't yeah. work like that. So now we're going to look, look to all of you out there to help us, uh, promote the film through um, what's it called social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram and all the things that you, you all know more about than I do. And then eventually when all of this is over and the pandemic is subsided, I will be touring and screening and I'll be going into colleges and talking, you know, especially HBCUs, you know, going to my- HBCUs, yeah. I'll be doing historically black colleges, and, and, but I'll be doing a lot, a lot of college. I'll be going out, out to, to Merritt College, which I call, um, you know, um, almost uh, HBCU. <laughs> you know, <laughs> anyway, and we'll we'll be going all, all around the country. Well, this has definitely been a treat for me. It was such a pleasure talking with you today, Mr. Stovall. I want to thank you for having me. I, I I've, I've enjoyed this so much. And 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 Miss Justin Robinson, wherever you are out there in the world, thank you, thank you, thank <laughs> you for, for, for suggesting it. And uh, anything I can do for any of you, please, you know, uh, you can contact Kim, and she she will she will contact me, and we will we will have a, a meeting of the minds in some way. Especially yes, we will. This pandemic is over. God bless everybody, and God bless the folks, and keep the faith. And everyone, make sure you support the documentary. King Arthur and the Count. That's our time for today. And until next week, consider yourself blacklit. Thank you.